Neighbors! Welcome back! You thought we disappeared, but here we are, speaking into the void again, into the mic, looking out of Yongin. Yo, 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 yo. Oh, so cheesy. Don't say cheesy. Why? Say good. Okay, good. Katie, you have to compliment your, your partner. Okay? <laughs> well, think about like positive reinforcement. Don't turn into the Korean ajima with the negative reinforcement. Okay, Already. so I, if you're going to become a rap star, then you should um, audition for the next Show Me the Money. Yeah, I'm prepping for it. <laughs> I'm going to stop everything. I'm going to prep my rap. <laughs> I want to see you on the TV getting crushed by the, all those judges. All right, guys, we're going to start off our podcast. Before we do, you know the routine. This podcast is brought to you by Gochujar. Um, what should I say about Gochujar? Gochujar is popping off. And, uh, you know, we love the support. And um, we love that a lot of people are taking interest to Korean foods. And a lot of people also buying ceramics. Yeah, Korean ceramics. I think we're, like the, only company, we're the only company that has mastered how to ship out ceramics. Mm. Um, but it's very expensive because it goes by air and then during the trump era they changed from uh it used to just go by uh the weight of the box which was so nice because then you can it doesn't matter how big the volume of the box is but now even the korean postal service which we're contracted with they started copying ups where you have to pay the larger of the volume or the weight or the weight and uh, how they calculate i don't know why i'm saying this but i'll tell you guys anyway in case <laughs> you guys are interested how you calculate the volume weight right because volume length times width times height doesn't is not a weight right yeah you, you times that in centimeters and then you divide it by six thousand and then it'll give you a kilogram weight and so for example if it's 32 centimeters times 25 centimeters times 14 it'll give you a large number divide that by six thousand and then that gives you the volume weight. So what Oh, is that like a mathematics that, equation? That's like the norm for oh. UPS, FedEx, oh, okay. everything. Anyway, I'm just telling you, there's a little bit more that goes into it. That It's more involved than just throwing something into a random box and shipping it off. Um, if I threw like... No, it is quite complicated. Like you've built like a entire Excel, model for it. Yeah. And like, it's pretty insane. That yeah. Excel model of like how to calculate quickly, like pricing and all this based on the thing that... Kudos my, to you. Yeah, I, maybe I'll sell that. No, actually, why am I wasting about selling things off? I'll keep it. It's you, <laughs> no licensing of that. That's our proprietary. That exactly. Helps, yeah, yeah. That took like three months of iterations to get that right. Mm. Um, but lately, uh, I've been thinking and uh, I want to start uploading more skincare items to Gochujar, like Korea's top trending. Um, the thing is like, I do a lot of shopping in Korea. I feel like I'm an MD. In Korea, we call them MDs. What does MD stand well, for? Well, MD incorporates It's a, merchan a merchandising director, I think. Oh, that's interesting. What is the, like, in, in, in corporate terms, MD, I always think about managing director, but that's not it. In oh, Korea, it's they merchandising. Use, MD is like the person who's... Picks in, out the products of what to upload or what to sell. sell. Yeah, yeah, so they're like... Per, per, uh, Procuration. Yeah. Oh my God, my English is going. So in been like too long in Korea. In what do you procure? Procuration. Procurement. Oh yeah, they're in, yeah they're in charge of procurement. <laughs> nice, yeah. Katie. So you know, I used to work in an e-commerce company. Yeah. The MDs are the ones who get paid more than the even the developers, developers. for that specific company because they do like a stunning job and they're yeah. like. 
they're, they're becoming like the, a billion dollar company in Korea. So. Mm, yeah, they're like the so most good, important part so of the good. company. Yeah. But anyway, as part of my MD responsibilities, um, I start looking at like what are the best selling items across uh, stores in Korea and trying to source those into gochujar and get those out. So uh, if you want to add uh, some, try some Korean skincare products. Anyway, guys, yep, that's a long ad for gochujar. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't been to gochujar in a while, check it out. <clears throat> oh, one thing that I have to add. Oh my gosh, I'm going to kill Shopify support staff. <laughs> oh my gosh. What if uh, one of our listeners is a support staff at Shopify? Damn, y'all got to like learn. Do yourself some learning on the weekends. Uh, what oh, I, um, so cruel. What I, what I hate, <clears throat> I got to rant a little bit because um, I changed my domain host uh, to Shopify away from a third-party uh, domain server the support just doesn't know what they're talking about but they will take like 30 minutes to answer something oh, it drives me crazy i like i already know what needs to be fixed yeah. like for example oh these mx records or the c name records i think needs to be changed and they'll be like thank you for contacting us uh, I, by the way this is all chat because in korea it's hard to get them on the line and so they have a habit of asking all of these like i have to go through a survey of questions before they'll address maybe it's in I, there like a guide i know i know it's like their manual like yeah um hi how does the website look like today have you checked uh google about this and i'm like no 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 i think you know i i've you know what needs to be done but then i know exactly what needs to be fixed but i don't know the exact like values that need to be put in but they won't address that unless i work with them through the checklist of stuff that i need to check oh, yeah, and it yeah. takes forever ah yeah. drives me crazy and the number th the other thing that i hate w about like support is uh, uh, yeah when they like give you an answer and it's wrong yeah i think yeah hard stop when it's wrong <laughs> it the answer is wrong and i know it's wrong like for example i'm sorry guys i just have to rant i'm like like my blood is boiling last night i i told them that my domain has been transferred out of my third party and they go oh no no sir um this is not our problem it uh you need to go check with uh the the host the your previous host server i'm like no 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 the domain has transferred out so i can't fix it i can't i don't have access to cpanel yeah. because I, I can see the cPanel now. And the guy's like, oh, no, 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 no. The thing is, is that like when you transfer out of your previous domain, it takes 30 days and then we can access it from here. So technically they still have ownership. And I was like, really? Oh, but I can't really fight that because I didn't know that. And then I called them. By the way, to call my previous domain server, <laughs> I'm calling from Korea and... Uh, international call. Yeah, it, it's an international call. So then I had to buy Skype credit Right, but in Korea, so cumbersome. you can't buy Skype credit in the app. You have to buy it online on the website. And then I call through my Skype. They didn't have a chat service. By the way, I haven't accessed Skype in like nearly six years. So I have to make a username and password. By the time I get onto the operator with uh, from my previous domain, the chat person there is like, uh, sir. By the way, after being on hold for 20 minutes, they go, oh, sir. Your domain has been transferred out, so you need to talk with Shopify. <laughs> oh like, my gosh, back to Shopify. And I was like, 
<clears throat> brewing um, with anger. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying my best. I'm trying. I I need to put on a helmet because my my head might explode. And I told the guy like, "Hey, to be honest, I've gone. I've even bought Skype credits to talk to you. Can you walk me through like what I need to s- change on Shopify settings?" And he goes, "But he was so cool. He was like, sure." So what I ended up doing was he shared me his email. I would screen capture an email and then I would send it to his email while we're oh. talking. And then he would open up his email and take a look. That's really nice of him. Though. And I then I was like, why the fuck did I change my server? If their support is this good, I should have just kept it. Oh. Uh, but I moved it. And then the thing is, you don't know until you really like dip your foot into it. Yeah, support is like the first contact point with. With the company after you order or buy their service, and so it's so important. Anyway, that's it, guys. By the way, how we support that gochujar then? <laughs> <laughs> it's um, good, right? For gochujar, I never fake the <laughs> funk. Like I never put like um, uh, sales at support. Hi, this is Diane from gochujar. Meanwhile, it's me in the back. I respond <laughs> to everything because I want to know what's what's the problem mm. but there's a lot of small companies that will make like 10 other um, emails uh, info at gochujar sales at gochujar support one at gochujar the, and, then and then it's all the same behind person the scene. in the back right? yeah 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 mm. so Maybe. the site is all fixed yeah also if you visited gochujar during this week you could have um yeah even my email was down and you could have encountered a page not available yeah <laughs> screen for a few fixed. yeah hours but it's all fixed. Just know when the site is down, I'm losing. I'm <laughs> like some some Korean also, guy. Some Korean guy in Korea is pulling out his hair, <laughs> uh, and so you might be like, "What's going on with the site?" And then on the other side of the world, there's me pulling out my hair. So, uh, it is what it is. But like when when that happens, mm. like I kind of I tried to think what would happen if my site in my company went down like that. Oh, like and a global service? Like yeah, like the site that I'm working on right now in my current company. Then, oh my God, there's so many levels of hierarchy where you'll have to report, hmm. explain, write like a, you know, explain note. Hmm. And yeah, it just, it just gave me chills. Yeah. Chills. Yeah. What, what is that word? Like a, chills yeah chills <laughs> just <laughs> repeating what you um but let's start off our podcast with some interesting discussions i remember um we had a, a fun discussion about the talk about being an un- underdog yeah so katie do you think you're an underdog yes and no yeah, yeah well, i okay. think it's at different stages of your life right yeah care to explain <laughs> Yeah, so I think up until I was 20, mm. like up until I went to my university, I think I had like very, very good support from my family, like financially too. Yeah. So they were able to set, like afford my education in the UK. Yeah, and then and, and it was all like very financially stable and everything. But then... After university, once I step into like this professional life, mm. I like I think I really started from the bottom, and mm. then like there isn't really a way for my parents or my family to help me out on that, yeah. Because like 
like it's all independent now right right so from then on i think i put everything was all on my own mm. i put my effort into yeah, leveling up in my career making like different like career moves and yeah yeah you had, yet where i am right yeah, now you, you had no no family members in tech yeah so like trying to get your foot in the industry you're definitely an underdog yeah. And I remember where this conversation came from. We watched the Kanye documentary and I was like, yeah, man, yeah. I didn't know how much of an underdog Kanye was when he was trying to break into the industry. And I said, man, I love that hustle. Um, I loved him just trying to prove that he was much more than a producer and he can rap. That underdog mentality, I was like, I love it. I, I think it, it brings so much joy in life because when you're an underdog, people don't expect you to do something. And when you prove people wrong and you prove to yourself you've did something, it's so satisfying. Yeah. And then we extended that talk into like, Katie, uh, do you think you're an underdog in life? And I and I was like being introspective as well about yeah. um, about it. And um, I think you, you too think you are an underdog. But then I raised the point whether it is real. Okay, what do you think about of my, yourself? Yeah, you should explain. Actually, I don't know. I have to revisit that question. Maybe you can speak on it a little bit more. I'm like re-questioning like at what parts. No, I remember because like, well, I think from the point that you arrived in Korea, right, from America, yeah, when you didn't yeah, know, even yeah. know the language, you yeah. hardly spoke Korean, yeah. and then you were dropped in the land of Korea, and then you are you had to go to the army, mm. go through all that experience of people looking at you as if you are like a dumb, dumb boy because yeah. you didn't speak the language. Yeah. And then, you know, you were, had to start from scratch, right? Like find your job here, yeah, getting definitely. all these rejections, letters, right. because right. just your language wasn't there. Yeah. And then like, yeah, making like successful career moves and mm. like making your own like way through YouTube and all this, uh, this is very unique and this is like not the normal path yeah. for everybody. So I think in that sense, you are very underdog. But the, the question I always have is that uh, the reason why you were able to like still like do, do all, take all these positions in your career, yeah. didn't all your upbringing or like, the fact that you could speak English fluently or like your upbringing oh, really yeah, okay. like affect you yeah, in yeah. that way no, too. I, no, no, no. I always had the underdog mentality because uh, I had the, when my parents immigrated to the U.S., uh, they always reminded me that the reason that you're staying in the U.S. is because um, you're, you're achieving academically. And so I always had this chip on my shoulder that um, I needed to provide or I needed to be the reason um, to validate my family's sacrifice for living a hard life in the U.S. to make ends work, uh, so that I so that their children can have a sort of a a success case story. Mm -hmm. And so I definitely had that. I take it back. And and what? Yeah, I definitely had an underdog mentality, like in uh, growing up in school, even in junior high, when I wanted to be rebellious and like do fun things. I always thought like, okay. Like I can't fuck up too much, or I can't get in too much trouble, uh, because yeah, I, I I represent my family's case here in in the states, and so whereas like if you're a part of the majority, let's say if you're just 
you know, an American with American citizenship and uh, you don't have that kind of worry because that's your land. Yeah. And that was always kind of in the back of my mind. I always knew that. Yeah. And then so when I moved to Korea, all of the things which were a plus, like being, you know, let's say like having a good command of my of English and coming from a great school, whatever in Korea, if, if you're not graduated from Harvard or Stanford, like nobody knows other schools beyond those two yeah um well actually it's, it's not it's not that dramatic i mean it's not that dramatic but there are certain schools yeah. that are that korean people know more than others yeah. like there are more like not popular but it's like people know it just more. brand names yeah. yeah brand names brand names yeah. yeah and so if and so when i came to korea our school has an amazing alumni network in the states and it really helps you get a job but when i came to korea i lost all of that people so, don't know right well, I've 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 said that university like Notre Dame when I when I came to Korea, Notre Dame was like, oh, people were like, oh, you went to Notre Dame? Oh, I didn't know um, that uh, that landmark in in the France cathedral. Yeah, they think I went to like the cathedral, and there's like some local school. They don't think it as um, University of Notre Dame. Yeah, they know yeah. it as just like a tourist spot, mm-hmm. and so you lose all that signaling. And so when I came to Korea, trying to reposition. And get a job in at that time in finance was much more difficult because don't have the brand signaling. So yeah, definitely like trying to and and then I, I and then I um, I spoke Korean at, at home, but I didn't have nowhere near uh, kind professional of proficiency. It was broken Korean. Yeah, and I couldn't. Um, I mean, I remember like interviewing at HSBC and went to like final round. Um, and then they just said my Korean, my my writing capability was too low, and you need to come back in a few years once you improve that. A lot of rejections, and so I was like, man, I thought I was geared up to play in the states career-wise, and then it, my world just changed three like 180, and I had to try to make my way in Korea. And so definitely, my life, I think, definitely the is, entire life is an underdog life. You think? yeah, a series of underdog moves. Um, yeah so but i think the fact that like you when you when you look at your resume the fact that you lived in america Mm. and that you went to school in america it kind of already at first impression when somebody looks at your resume in korea looks different right and then people people like everybody wants to speak fluent english in korea so it's like a, definitely a plus for you mm. so i think that also kind of is a just a natural benefit that you have um but at this age now um i'm permissionless <laughs> i love to say that like i don't need to gain anyone's permission I don't use resume anymore because I'm out I of the mean, corporate you, world. You don't need it. Yeah. I don't need it anymore. I, I can make money anywhere around the world. I, I know how to make money. Um, I know how to set up a business. I don't need anyone's validation. Period. Hard <laughs> stop. So, don't care. So, the underdog has turned into the top dog. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, but I, I still need my resume. I still need to build my resume. I mean, I the other part of this was... Um, I remember telling you that I'm happy I was born middle class. Being born middle class, you have parents who focus on education as a means to kind of advance themselves uh, financially or as a, you know, it's just ingrained that education is a core part of 
of uh, raising kids. Since you're born middle class, like you have an objective in front of you. You want to get a great job. You want to do better than your parents, and yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's, you know, it it it's set out for you. But like I was telling you, if I was born into <clears throat> a very wealthy family, um, it's going to be very hard for you to, for example, show success more than your parents. Let's say if you're born the children of Bill Gates, you have, you have to actively search for. Uh, what means success to you? So then you're saying that it's good for you if you are born into a middle class family, and then like it helps you succeed in life, like become let's say like it makes you wealthy, and then then and then but then your children won't be kind of have the benefit of being raised in a middle class family, so it's kind of like always worse for them. Then that's true if you achieve a lot. But I was talking more of the lines that I think it's easier to define what success is when you're born middle class. Just means that you make a lot of money. If we just say it very easy, yeah. Whereas if you're born into a really wealthy family, well, the definition think- of success is not just making a lot of money because you you won't be able to outperform your parents, so you always feel like an underdog. No, I mean, think of like the who's the little kid of Will Smith. How does he prove to his dad that he's? But he, isn't he's a he man? doing well in the entertainment too? Well, I don't think not as much. So as his let's dad. say that would it have changed your like what you want to do in life? Let's say you were born into a like not like crazy rich, but just a wealthy family where money was never a driver. In no, my when there is n- where money is not an issue for you to live the rest of your life. Do you think that would have changed like your course of actions in your life, like going to college and like finding this job and going or like no? Well, that that's what I'm saying. Find, like, that's yeah. exactly what I'm saying. Is what you're asking? I definitely, yeah. I I would float around so much, like maybe you would have gone into if, more. If like, I'm a son of a billionaire and I have all the resources, I would try my hands at horseback riding. I would try my hands art. At, at art. I would try my hands at, at writing. Becoming us, us Olympic snowboard or I, athlete. Exactly. <laughs> but the thing is, it's so easy to switch and I would keep switching. Really? And I wouldn't know how to persevere because it's just, there's nothing, no one is, real, I got, no one is, um, expecting there's no pressure for me to succeed in this because me succeeding in this field doesn't bring anything to anybody so i would switch whenever it got hard like i don't know how to persevere through hard things because it's easy to switch meaning but it could give you uh, let me just give you an example let's say that i'm writing a book and um it's very mediocre i wouldn't persevere 10 years to get that thing published Really? Because I have money, why am I going through? Like you would ask yourself, why am I, why am I making my life so hard? But uh, that's only if on the presumption that you think money is like the top priority in life. Like the people who write books, and that's not necessarily money is like their pr- top priority. It's like they just enjoy the act of writing and they just keep like following their passion. I think if you want to be world class in something, you have to develop grit. And you have to develop the ability to persevere and focus. And oftentimes when you're... You think that's difficult if you are financially stable. Do you know the actual names of the sons of any billionaires or 
for the children and what their contribution is, it pales in comparison to their parents. Yeah, but that's also because to become like, let's say your parents is like Bill Gates, to become the same level as a Bill Gates for a for another person equivalent to come out in the next generation is is just so much so much less probability, regardless of whether you're his son or not. I know in my case, if I flipped a business and I made a hundred million dollars in my second business. If things got tough, ah, I just let let that die. Whatever. It's not nothing riding on it. I've already made the money. That's that's just what I'm trying to say. At some point, you, we can always find examples that proves otherwise. But I just want to tell you, you can't name a single <laughs> kid of a. Uh, you know they're unknown. At uh, they're unknown. They don't do much. Ah, I'm sorry. I don't want to shit on that. They're probably doing something, but it's nothing world class because there's no driver to push them to go through the hardness to go to become world class because their life is comfortable why i got to push to become world class whereas when you don't have something and and you don't have money don't come from money you want to go as far as you can to prove to your family to yourself that you can do this and and because your life was shitty before i think that is uh generally the case That's why being an underdog is great because it motiv- you have a fire underneath your ass to prove something and it, you lead, it leads to uh, like pronounced results. Like if you go, if you see all these stories of like all these people, like billionaires or whoever who succeed like in their field, like usually it's like their first, the first in the family or like their upbringing. If you listen to their background, it's like really tough and difficult. You know, yeah, most billionaires like are like not very wealthy in their childhood. First of all, most billionaires are immigrants. Immigrant, they come from immigrant families in the U.S. too. Yeah, a lot of them don't come from uh, golden spoon families. Just work really hard, and so. Yeah, but I think there's exceptions to that always too. But I think generally that is the case. Yeah, but the reason I say middle class too is if you're born into let's say a very poor family, um, it's tough because in your formative years, if your family doesn't put an emphasis on education, it's very hard for you to. Develop the necessary skill set as well as the ability to focus when you're young. If I got into a great college and my parents were like, "Why are you going to go to college?" <laughs> That'd be really tough. You know, you do something that's that's great academically, and but you don't get any sort of positive reinforcement at home. Or if you make money and then as soon as you make money, it has to be diverted to family, so you can never really build seed money. I think that's really tough too. So. That's why I always think middle class is the best life. Yeah, <laughs> so you, you have, have the best life. Uh, actually, I take that back. <laughs> <laughs> being being middle class, uh, it's easier to define success. Yeah, that's yeah. what I want to say. It's easier to define success because the best life would just be be born this the son of a king. You just don't do anything. Actually, no, I don't know. Yeah, no, actually, not doing not anything is also yeah, not doing anything is leads to quickly to depression. So. I think the best life is um, when you have the freedom to do whatever you want. Like you don't have, to, let's say, you you want to like spend a few years concentrating on like um, like carpenter works. You suddenly have interest, but most people don't have that option or the privilege to do that because like they have to find mean like 
find money, you know, support their family, or just they also think about the pressure from other people. What are they gonna think about me? All that, but. If you our family is really rich and they don't really like have all these expectations on you or all that, then I think you're very 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 free to do whatever you want. So you can afford to do like spend a few years learning some something that's very alternative and um, very niche. Yeah. Sorry, um, when you were talking about like carpenter, like if you are if you come from a very wealthy family and you decide to become a carpenter. And there was a person from middle class who is doing carpenting to to raise a family. I would bet on that middle class person that their product becomes or that person becomes much more famous in twenty years than that yeah, rich person. Yeah, but I don't think that person, that other person from a wealthy family, is her pur- her or his purpose would become a world class. I don't think that is that would be their end goal anyway. But for that middle class person to become a world class could um, most likely be their goal. But for the other person, it's not necessarily their goal. It's just their they find meaning in it. It's their pleasure. They find um, peace in it. They just enjoy that work, so they just do it. Yeah, that's interesting. I would like to interview a son of a <clears throat> sorry, but the, I think it's very hard to admit that too. If yeah, so if you do an interview like that, I don't think they will most likely tell you that, like that, say like that. Yeah, I'm I'm curious if I could interview like the children of a billionaire. I want to see what their north star is. Like, well, how do you define success? But speaking of this, it kind of I don't know why this uh, came up, but like, yeah, I was I'm I was middle class, um, growing up, and then I think my mom like whenever I said something that is like not not in the like suggested doing something that is not in that um set path she'll feel so anxious so for example i just remember like i was reading um the emails that i got from my mom when i was at university in london and then there was an email where she was like i think i wrote to her that oh i think i might try taking um vocal class um just for fun and then like the response i got from her is like yeah that's good but um i just hope that it doesn't deviate you from your your studies and kind of you i'm just a little bit worried that you might like fall into other other yeah they want you to be focused yeah mm-hmm. then then looking at that like and and i know that i know my state of mind at the time it's just like just the singing class right and i i didn't think it it didn't even last for more than a month to be honest but for her it was like an alarming bell she was scared that i might like take that too seriously and suddenly drop out of school and get into like a like a singing job or something right just just even from that little initial like sentence she got so scared and then a few even and then if even like another occasion similar occasion is like a few years ago i think i said to her oh i kind of want to learn sewing Mm. and then yeah i I might consider getting a sewing machine and then she got i just remember her response was like she was so annoyed (laughs) it's like oh my god i i sent you all this and like 
you know, I raise you all this way so you can like get in, like do your job um, and that. But then suddenly you say you want to learn sewing. That just so puts me off. <laughs> yeah, because her definition of success is monetary. Yeah, but then She like for me, it's not like I'm gonna take this seriously and suddenly turn my whole life into like sewing. But then she always takes it to the extreme and kind of not to the extreme, but I don't know. So I get so conscious about telling her about little mini deviations or mini like side hobbies I have. You get conscious of you telling her that you're enjoying life through other things mm, because you're worried. You're worried that you know because she takes things very seriously, and I think it's also the the responsibility she feels as a as a mother. To keep you on check, on track, yeah, which leads to mediocre pay. <laughs> um, the funny thing is that, like what you said, I had the same thing in college, but I didn't ask for permission. I just did. Okay. You know how yeah, I yeah, started yeah. that DJ yeah. business, <clears throat> and I was DJing parties and stuff. The funny thing that my dad told you, like maybe a few weeks ago when you talked with him, he was like. Or maybe he talk, tell, told me I forget, but he was like, "Now that I think back on it, I'm happy that you did um, DJing in that chicka chicka." Yeah, in yeah, he told me that. Yeah, because I think he's realizing at his age that like people who just pursue money become very dull and uninteresting and become a little oh, bit so just maniac. Pers- pursue just a path that that everybody expects you to take. Just no. on regular path. Yeah, and it, it and it just if you have or other if you just wants. have if you just have other um, hobbies outside of just trying to hustle, you become much more interesting, and it's just uh, like live a more wholesome life. And this connects into the conversation that we we're having with our friends yesterday. I was telling them like, um, when we have kids, I would like our kids to be f- number one. Kind of nurture them in a way to be to be able to focus, but I would like to give them as much exposure to a variety of experiences, just a variety of experiences. Like I want to, for example, teach them how to sew, take them sailing, uh, snowboarding, uh, go play tennis, horseback riding, horseback riding, <laughs> go climbing. Why? Because when I was younger, I think my my dad was too busy with work. To teach me how to enjoy life, but then, like I've mentioned this podcast, the father of my white white friend, you know, Americans, you know, they're the majority, of course, in the U.S. They just know how to enjoy life. They're not immigrants trying to. They're not the underdog. They're already the majority, and so they know how to live life and enjoy, right? And so, so he's, he's the, the one. he's the one who took me snowboarding, and all of those seeds, those activities that he taught me. Make me enjoy life at the age of thirty now. Like we go snowboarding, and how fun is that, mm. right? And like I only started learning how to enjoy life after after college when I was away from, I guess, my parents' expectation of of a career. Like once I started, my career started going. You know, they started to, you know, or I had the more kind of uh, ability to go. And the money to go test out stuff, but I want to expose my kids earlier to all of this stuff. That way, and I and I don't necessarily expect that they become world class at one of those things. But when they're stressed out at work at the age of twenty or thirty, they're like, you know, I've actually been sailing before. I want to go try this, and they're able to live a more wholesome life. I think that's I think that's great. 
Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So. But to be honest, I think my mom, um, she was very, very like proactive about taking me to different places. Yeah. In my childhood, like I think um, we traveled a lot, uh-huh. like across Korea. She would t- she would take me, my brother, and like a few our our friends together to like camping and like different parts. Mm. And I have good memory about it, but I I don't know how like important it is. Oh, no, it's just good memory, but uh, ah, right. like if you try to link that to like like healthier life or. I don't know. I think it depends on the age. I don't want to take too much meaning out of it. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the age. I mean, if you go really early. Yeah, um, if it's too early, like if you're like under 10, I don't know how much meaning, like how much that affects the the growth of a child. No, but I, I do have this kind of weird thing that like there are micro repercussions to all of these events when you're young that you can't see. So for example... I can't remember probably half of the places that my parents took me. Yeah, I don't I remember young, much. Right? Yeah. But that probably helped shape my personality and that helped me shape my confidence. So for example, if I went camping with my um, with my parents, then probably at school I was talking to my friends about it, um, uh, which made me like, I don't know, have a cool story to tell, which would make me more of an interesting person, which would make me have more friends. Like, I don't know what the like reveration or the mini concussion, <laughs> many repercussions of all these things are, but I think somehow they, they, they do. But whereas those experiences, when you turn in your preteens, you can remember them and link them. But when you're younger, like it definitely, I think there is a, there is a, I think there is a impact. I mean, or or the impact could be that if your parents are taking you to these places, makes you develop a stronger relationship with your children, which makes you have a closer relationship as you get older. You know yes I mean? and no. I feel like the, all the things that you do in your childhood or younger days, they could be related to your adulthood, but in oh, many cases, I see they're quite independent and irrelevant. Okay. In my experience, I think. It could be. Could be. Yeah, I I think one last thought on this is that we both have gone to prestigious universities and we both got into jobs which are let's say great that that society deemed as like, wow, uh it'd be great to have these kind of jobs. We've we've ran the course. Um but what I've come to conclusion is it ain't it. (laughs) meaning like it's not it like that this can't be like it's not it (laughs) like i i I wouldn't i like even though i think um um, i wouldn't push them so hard to go into a uh prestigious okay i would push them but like it wouldn't be life or death for me if they don't get in and they don't need to go towards like these great companies because if you're focused enough and i feel like i could train that skill early um there's ways to make money and there's ways to find success and there's ways to take control of your life beyond the corporate and the 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 sort of you know what i'm trying to say yeah i think so i agree because like for me i (laughs) I tend to think okay i keep 
like pushing and I keep like rising up and switching companies and leveling up and then mm. and then sudden then ultimately like where does it stop you yeah. know yeah like all this for what like okay you keep rising you keep you've already okay, yeah. you never like to talk about the names and i understand why but you're already going to one of the best companies in korea as a developer and now you're considering moving to another one that has a even better pay and but after that where do you go okay let's say you went to google i'm sure even yeah, at google what's next? i'm sure even at google you will after like three years you're gonna get bored of the team or the work and you want to move but this so-called what's next what next there is no it's what's so next tiring. after you hit uh, a certain level and i feel like you already hit a certain level and what i what i'm trying to say is that what's next is is uh kind of asking for permission or validation it's a continuation of that but even without asking permission like the next step would you would be for you to build your own product build take all the skills that you have and build something and that becomes like almost five times more rewarding than some sort of signaling that you get for going to some brand name college or brand name company company yeah yeah so that's the next level to be honest yeah i um, agree yeah. yeah oh this is such a uh, you know i, I, I like this like i like this dialogue because it's very honest and <clears throat> by the way if you're listening to this w- i want to say we have the the right to change our minds i know like in this age of digital if you say something people think like it's 20 like years from imprinted the line, it's imprinted um but this is more of like kind of things developing that, thoughts yeah saying stuff as we like get older and experience life yeah this all is subject of, to change all, yeah i reserve the right to change my mind okay yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> i think one of these things that i learned when i was in uh school i went to a junior i took a when i was in high school i went to the cal state fullerton which was a universe or a college next to my high school to take a a class in extra an extra class in art art history and at the time i was doing it to fulfill a requirement uh for some some accelerator program i don't even remember that left a seed in me which activated like a month ago (laughs) yeah you started studying art again yeah because like in our previous episode i talked about nfts but all the art in nfts look like shit to be honest it's like really low class level art i mean they trade high i mean that's why there's value in it and i'm interested in it but from an art level i came across francis bacon and wow 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 his art is so dark and francis bacon is an irish uh, painter and man i i forget which painting it is but he did a painting of a pope or a bishop and the face you guys google it um it's it's something out of a nightmare it's but so scary it's so scary it's like so gothic scary yeah. it's like haunts you and i'm like but i don't know why you, you know why i captured why i captured my imagination is that like I was just looking at it, at it, and I was genuinely getting scared. And I was like, "How could someone paint this? This is amazing." What must have been going? It's much on scarier in their than mind. watching some stupid Netflix horror horror film. <laughs> and I was like, "Man, what state of mind were you in to draw yeah. what society reveres into such a scary uh, painting?" Was he a big rebel? 
oh man oh I, and then i started listening to his a uh, personal life um he's a gay guy but then like he would find partners who would like to abuse him in his relationships like he was like a masochist or a sadist i don't i forget what the difference between the two is anyway he likes pain so like <laughs> he would <laughs> he would find partners who would like like interact with him sexually in a very like violent violent way. way and this would like cause these like crazy emotions inside of him and then he would paint that express that express paint. that in painting and i was like damn this is beautiful like man and i started to listen more to his life and it's chaotic he loves drinking and he like and then i saw the inside of his studio it looks like a nightmare but out comes these pieces um and it was so interesting because later on as he's aging you know when you it's easy to find a violent partner in your 20s or 30s because you know so much testosterone but it's harder to find someone <laughs> that's like that when you're in your 40s and 50s and then his paintings start to calm down you don't see as much aggression and i'm like man this is so interesting and it captivated my mind yeah and so i started to look at other artists um who's who's paint and i guess i'm saying all this because that inkling that i took in art history that opened up something in my mind a long time ago where it's easier for me to like peer inside now mm. that's why i was going back to the whole thing like if you maybe you went on a sailboat when you were young and you have that memory and then the next time you're older you might be a little bit more open to try sailing. yeah definitely definitely do you remember i asked you why are you so attracted to those like dark arts as opposed to like you know more bright like dreamy lovely oh, like oh, oh. work works for example david hockney his art is so so contrasting to mm. that other artist i think it's because naturally i'm a very optimistic um very optimistic person and i'm very i, I, I feel like i'm a very happy person 90 percent of the time so when i see art or people that is completely different from me or what i could even think about it's fascinating to me that's why i also like to listen to those horror horror yeah like and those, like, those murder like crime, and stories, crime stories because which i'm so different to me it's unbelievable to me that someone can do this so it's intriguing to listen to how <clears throat> how uh how crazy a person can get because it's so far from me that's why i don't listen to you know what that's true like even music i like to listen to like um dark or like the struggle or yeah i just kind of listen yeah i kind of yeah i gear towards that because it puts me in a different a lot world of emotions yeah i already i'm already, I, I know happy emotions because i have plenty of it but like this dark like uh, evil it, 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 it <laughs> intrigues me i don't know this is completely <laughs> opposite to me by the way yeah i'm like know. more prone to like happy songs like bright like very high spirit and also art. I like to look at art that is more calm and peaceful and like brings me peace. Oh, I, bright I got colors. It. From our conversation with art. I like things that make me think. Because at the end of the I day... I like to think too. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> so when I see uh, this painting of... Um, there's another painting he did. It looks like three penises, but it has mouths and it looks crazy just crazy um but i'm like why would you draw something like that and that train of thought in my mind when i'm looking at it 
I let my mind run for two or three minutes. What is that? What is that? But when I look like a David Hockney and I just see something in a swimming pool, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Looks refreshing. Done. Move to the next thing. I, I have no emotions about it. But if you think of art as like, um, you know, people like buy art, like to put it in their house. Uh-huh. Would you? Would, would would you like still want to like hang up those dark art in your house? Um, in my room, I would, or like oh. if I had a separate room, but I wouldn't put it like I wouldn't put it in our living room. Living room, yeah, because it would scare people. But <laughs> like if I had like my own like basement, I would definitely hang up like one of those paintings. So, for example, I looked at the. Um, it's not like I'm 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 not interested at all at like non-dark stuff. Like I looked at the documentary about andy warhol um on netflix it was interesting um but you know these pictures of campbell pop art pop art it just doesn't move me but andy warhol himself is very interesting like i saw a video of him eating uh, a burger king so youtube that andy warhol eating a, a burger king there's something about him i think like i don't know if he does it on purpose but the way he carries himself in public it's almost like a performance Mm. Mm. and that that was interesting to me about that you could be very expressive but i think a lot of artists like to be uh, vague and mysterious and he has a way of carrying himself that's he seems almost non-human which was very interesting to me so not his art but andy warhol as a person like i was listening to more of his life was very intriguing but somehow classical art it's, I don't know. It doesn't move me either. Like when we're in Rome and looking at the ceiling, definitely you get the wow. But that was it. <laughs> <laughs> who was the one who painted all the Sistine Chapel? Michelangelo. Yeah. 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 That was it. Yeah. Yeah. Not much. But uh, yeah, I think we are definitely on track to study more art. Uh, maybe visit some art galleries too. Yeah. There's another Korean artist I really like. We really like. You know, she draws all these um very nostalgic um paintings of like old Korean like supermarkets. Yeah, that that, that artist I like too. That one is friendly and colorful. Yeah, but you like her art because it 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 draws a certain memory of like I when I sometimes drive through Korea I see those rundown supermarkets and she's able to embody that nostalgia yeah, so, onto painting and i think that's great. so re- yeah so like touching and like it speaks to you is there a certain artist that you that you like i like her art you like her art yeah i i i'm i'm pretty like don't have much knowledge about artists so i think i'm at the stage where i'm like beginning to learn and like widen my perspective i gotta say i think artists are very intriguing to me because my mind is so business oriented and as an artist it's very hard your chances of making a living as a painter or a yeah let's let's just to say as a painter is very slim yet you dedicate your whole life to a life of financial struggle and uncertainty to produce creative things i think that's very romantic in a way very romantic very very romantic and that that appeals to me and it appeals to me because it's so it would be something that i would never do 
Oh, because it's so different. So there is no zero chance of you um, producing some painting or art <laughs> in the future. <laughs> Why you want to sell as an FT? <laughs> <laughs> it's a zero zero chance. <laughs> Well, I think I was shut down because I actually majored in graphic design and finance when I was in university. And in the first semester, my, I remember I took this drawing 101 class and the teacher was like, um, I think this one, and he graded my, my illustration. He gave me, a, I think, a B minus. And I remember talking to him and I was like, I think it must be pretty hard for you to grade students' projects because like, how can you grade art? And he's like, no, this one's pretty bad. You got to be minus. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed so much. Um, yeah. and, then, um, and then I remember my <laughs> career advisor or whoever my mentor at the school was said, I do not know why you are, <laughs> why you are double majoring in graphic design and finance. Those two have nothing in common. But the stuff that I learned, for example, in Photoshop and Illustrator, um, I use today. Yeah, it helps shop. with you now. I think everything what comes a coincidence. back. I'm telling you, everything you learn that's outside the box, it will come back to your life. Like sure. that art college course is coming back to my life, making it easier for me to take interest in it. And mm. I'm telling you, everything comes back. That's why you want to get exposed to a lot of new things when you're young. Because it's so hard, for, especially with some type of personalities, they just cannot try new things by themselves. Not self. If you are introvert, no, no it's, it's not, not about introvert, extrovert. It's just the the as you get older, or for some personality types, it's just very hard for them to have the self motivation to try something that's you know. Yeah. I I mean, some people so. can't even try sushi. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? It's just too scary. Fish. <laughs> <laughs> No comment. Yeah. Man, there was a lot of stuff that I wanted to cover today, but we went on. Yeah, I guess this is good. Yeah. We need to go eat. I'm craving sundubu. Hemur sundubu so much right you know, now. Our sundubu recipe is bomb diggity. <laughs> bomb diggity. I actually watched that video yesterday, last night too, again, and I saw the views. I'm like, oh my God, when did it rise so much? It's so good. But right now we don't have um, minced pork. So maybe we'll go out and eat sundubu. Yeah, let's do that. Oh, I'm craving sundubu. Oh. Oh, and now, too. since we're saying this, I'm pretty sure you're craving sundubu. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Somehow I want to stay on the mic. Maybe 10 more minutes. <laughs> I feel like we're at, um, I'm like... Uh, I think you're on I'm a like, roll. Mm. I feel like you're a friend I haven't met in a long time. And I know like if we leave now, it's going to be another six months before we <laughs> meet. So trying to like... Yeah, we've been quite... Big. Oh, I, actually, I want to... I don't know if you remember this. You said something about like... Oh, okay. This is about kind of uh, child rearing again. Uh -huh. So a few days ago, I watched, I think, a v BBC video on like um like how people's views on child rearing change so let's say our parents generation they would they didn't really have much information about how hard it is to it is to raise a child like an infant all the way and then so for them it's like everybody does it and then 
everybody raises a child, so what's a big deal? And I think there wasn't much information about the the real real life behind it. So they just um yeah, have baby, give birth and then like and then of course like there's a right of a lot of surprises, difficulties, all that. But then nowadays so it was okay, back then it would we would have been more like overly positive. But nowadays it's overly negative. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. because there's so much information and you know yeah. all these young people now, yeah. like there's the internet, so they kind of like reveal like what is the behind the scenes of raising a child you have zero sleep for like three months and all this like like real things that they went through and people share about it more openly so now the views about having a kid is overly negative the reason why i bring this up is we were talking about kind of that thing yesterday and our friend also was saying like how people from people who have kids around their age how it's so tough like you basically have no life until like the kid is three years old and you basically have to give up on your life your life is gone yeah and then which is also what i heard too in news that like in videos and a lot of media i said something controversial and then what did you say You uh, said it's the <laughs> it's the stupid people <laughs> who don't know how to deal with stress or mm. difficult situation who don't have difficult experience in life. <laughs> well, okay, uh, on this point, I have the right to refuse or to change my mind uh, because I haven't gone through that experience. But why? Where this? Where that like initial gut reaction, which we had so much laughs about and just kind of debate <clears throat> with our friend, was that when people talk to me about. Uh, married life or getting wedded um like it's it's fun to make fun of traditional things and to like berate it like oh you're gonna get married oh man you gotta have fun one last time before we yeah, get married yeah yeah everybody like, says that or like wow like goodbye thankful yeah goodbye to your like uh happy happy single life yeah, goodbye get ready your, for it yeah get ready for this hard life and i've always thought that was not the case um i've always thought that being married is going to be fun. And if you find the right person and you find, and that has at least, I mean, okay, so I'm sure maybe there are grandparents who have lived 60 years who will say, no, 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 you're wrong. But up till now, what I thought is true. Marriage life is fun, even better better than single life. You're stable. Your life is peaceful. um, You have, um, you're never bored. And you have a partner which you can really go through life with. And so all of these stereotypes or all these things that people talked about to maybe signal as like they're doing something like they've gone through something um i think just comes from weak people or like people who haven't done anything in life like you got to remember marriage pew, 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 yeah. alarms. <laughs> no you gotta you gotta remember that marriage child rearing is done by everyone in society and when I went to the military in Korea, I saw what the average IQ of everybody is. It's fucking low. The, the, the drill sergeant would say, turn left, left, right. And we had kids that would turn left, right, left. And I'd be like, and they couldn't, comp- they couldn't memorize three, three things. And so I was like, wow, what a blessing it's been. I've been living in a bubble in a university, going with spending time with kids that are educated. So... Where I come back to this is when we talk about kids and, and raising kids, I know it's tough. I know it's 
it's like a switch up to your schedule and it changes priorities in your life. But I get, I don't like it when people talk about like raising kids when they're doing it as a way to signal that they've done something tough. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know what you mean. To empathize with other people who just have not have done nothing. And when I say they just haven't done anything, I'm saying like when I talk with people who um, who I think is kind of like high achieving people and they talk about their family, they never go, oh my God, my life is so tough. Oh, oh my God, you don't know what life is like. I didn't kids. get like I've days of sleep. I've, I've ne- while those is- there might be isolated incidents where, not, not isolated, but there are incidents where they can't sleep. They never talk about it in in such a negative way. I, what I've heard is like, oh yeah, my definitely my priorities have changed. Like yeah, I think for the first six months you get a lack of sleep, but it's just a small hurdle. Whereas like people who have never got a job, done a hard job, or who have never persevered through something tough, as soon as they get a baby, of course that's the hardest thing in their lives. But they talk about it as if it's like something you shouldn't do. Because it's so tough. But I'm like, no. It's like, give me kudos. Oh my God. Like, I'm a mom and like, wow, you kind of, you don't know how hard it is. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to bet that when I have kids and we're, we're raising them, it's not going to, well, we're not going to be as dramatic as you are, nor would we give such negative vibes to someone else who's wants to have kids. Like, when I talk to my friends who want to get married, I say, dude, you should. I think it's great. Likewise, when I have kids, I'd be like, hey, it's probably going to be the most rewarding thing. Sure, there are challenges. And so that's where I'm coming from. Like, people who, have not, who are I not high achieving and do and have kids, of course, that's going to be the most hardest thing. But they talk about it as if it's something negative that you shouldn't do because yeah. they want to signal, give me kudos for doing something tough. That's I, where I come from. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally get what you mean. And I hope you confirm true. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, because we haven't had kids. So of course, everything know. is like up in the air and questionable. But as like as a, a knowledge analogy you gave to about marriage, I think that's very, very true. Like before I got married, I, I was very, very negative about married life and marriage and yeah, and I would also spread kind of negative. I would be the one who was spreading negative vibe about getting married yeah, <laughs> to other people. Even though you haven't experienced it, right? yeah, oh, yeah. Just it's but because based on all the things that I saw and all the things that I experienced, I thought I was right. Yeah, but that's talk out of fear, right? yeah, and anxiety, and and you're going yeah. But I'll give you another example. When I was going to the Korean military and I would ask friends, they're like, oh, your life is over, man. It's going to be the worst experience. Like, like um, Korean, like military and this, it's terrible. And like, which is just a very like kind of effed up, fucked up way. Like it's saying your life is going to get fucked up. But when I went, okay, there are, you know, I, I shared some stories in the previous podcast, but I never think about it personally as something that was like really negative and like the worst thing that the happened thing that in happened. your life. Now, note, I didn't go to the military for full two years. Mm. I only had to go for six months. But even those six months, there was like things that I learned. I got to work in civil service. I got to work in this and that. Sure. Now, if I was like some tank Buddha s- s- uh, set up in North Korea somewhere, blah, 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 uh, or near the DMZ, I could say it was much tougher. 
But when I talk even with some of my cousins who are higher achieving than my less achieving cousins, they never really talk that bad about military either, right? So maybe this comes off as cocky, but I'm just, I know I'm a high achieving person and anything that society as a whole goes through without dying, like if you're raising killed children and parents die, like you actually there's mortality towards that, that I would understand the fear, but it's, Everyone goes through it, whether you have an IQ of one or whether you have IQ of, I don't know what the limit is, but let's just say a thousand. Everyone still, the kids still grow up. So it can't be that hard. And sorry, one more thing that I want to rant about. Sometimes in, in common media, I find a lot of people like to agree with like things that are in vogue or things that are woke but they'll tell their children something else. Mm, like you need to give an example. Like the whole, let's just talk about the whole um, marriage thing. Ah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, like, oh, yeah, women. you don't have to get women, married. You don't have to get married. Um, you know, child, your life child rearing is not, a is not a woman's sole job, blah, blah, blah. But then you'll see all of the rich families, you'll see anyone who's um, just enjoying life, they all get married. Have and they have kids. kids. Why? Oh, because kids is so fulfilling. Like, it gives you purpose. Like, I, I always told, remember I tell you sometimes, I think women, um, I know women have their own set of hardships, but you guys have the ability to produce babies. And by having a baby, even if your life didn't have purpose before, by that single act, you already get default purpose in life. For men, uh, while me, a lot of men do find purpose in their children too, there's some a lot of people go through their whole lives without having real purpose. Whereas since that baby came out of your body, you have for women, you have already this intrinsic purpose. So you yeah. could have had a you could have had a shit life. I mean, I'm talking for my cousin. My cousin, the the girl, she told me, I thought life was miserable. And I didn't care for life, didn't care whether if I died or not. But once I had my kid, She's I found joy in life. I found happiness. I found, I found happiness in Yeah, I see cases like that. Yeah. yeah. And so But then the other side of that the Sorry, danger. Katie, I just want to finish my one thought before it goes on to one more okay, attention. Okay. So I really don't like it when people just to appease the woke the wokeness in society will say stuff like that, but then in their personal and their private lives, they act differently. Mm. Because then you're getting like all this social praise, but then yeah. you're very contradictory. So yeah. I always, I always want to stop that. Like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, like if if it was that great, why don't you do it? Why don't you actually implement that in your real life? You don't, you know. So always be very wary about what people signal that you should be doing just to be part of some cause or wokeness. Which oh, I I have the same thing about uh, something. Another similar experience is um open relationship, right? Oh yeah. So yeah. Uh, this would be the same thing. Me saying, oh I, yeah, I'm totally like for people who want to do open relationship. It's like there's nothing wrong with it, and then so there's it sounds cool. Yeah, you look cool in public. Yeah, you look cool, and then but then like but when you if it, people, it comes to you. Yeah. And when some, when a guy asks you yeah. to do an open relationship and you're like, hell no, yeah, then then you're saying this is contradictory. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm yeah. saying. 
But like, there are some people. So, but there, in public. But there are, but there are cases where some people generally it works for them. Being in an open relationship, right? Yeah, that's great. I would never force my beliefs onto other people. I just don't care. It's your life. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, unless you're a family member, it's you or someone I really care about. Because changing thought, trying to convince something, really takes effort, and I don't care to change anybody that just that I don't know. Don't care. It's your life. If you want to be stupid, you can be stupid. That being said, one last thought, guys. I would be so interested to swap my brains with someone. <laughs> I know I tell you this all the time. Yeah. Because swap your brain with mine. Yeah, it would be interesting because your personality type is so different, and it, I would like for you to live in my brain. <laughs> Because, you know, sometimes you go like, how can you just know? Or like, how do you have an opinion uh, about this? Or how do you feel so strongly about it? I don't know. That's just my, that's just my personality. Like, that's your just the way I your am. Your genome. Yeah, that's just the way <laughs> I am. I, I, I'm not, I don't care about what other people's perception about. Well, maybe to some degree on some stuff. But generally, overall, like, that's just yeah. the way it is. And when someone asks me about stuff, I'm not scared to tell my opinion and this is the way it is. But it would be so interesting for me to swap swap gears. Like for example, my brain is on a Mac, but then I want to try on a Linux or seeing life through um, a PC, a Windows, and just seeing like what 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 it would mean for my first inclination to empathize or instead of my first inclination to speak, it would be first inclination to listen. It just would be interesting to to live with a different operating system. I would gain so much empathy, but then already, but then in my mind, I'm like, I'm already playing devil's advocate. What would I do with that empathy? Yeah, you'll just feel more top the pair. (laughs) Sometimes when you can't have trouble deciding, you are you just don't. I just don't get it. yeah, it's but, like what's so difficult about it? But I tell you, you're just not uh, you're too simple, simple minded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's the answer. Too simple. Ultimately life is a one player game though. <laughs> Alright guys, that's opening up a whole new category. I'm gonna stop. So. There. When are you gonna stop? <laughs> Alright guys, we gotta go eat some sundubu because Katie's Katie's uh, stomach is growling and I can hear it. She kicked me in the shins a few times, so no, she's so, lying. I'm not a she. I'm a he. <laughs> Please get the pronoun correct. All right, y'all. We're out. Thank you for listening. Peace. Until next time.